Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It's a Meat and Potatoes Tuesday. Johnny, are you ready for some meat and potatoes in the game of gridiron? Yes. I'm curious to see where this goes, but yeah, I always love meat, oh, potatoes. meat and potatoes. Are you kidding me? We're going to start with the hors d'oeuvre, okay? Ooh. Before we get to the meat and potatoes, okay. special teams as you take on the Rams on Friday night, latest kickoff ever in preseason history. I'm <laughs> pointing this out a lot because I want people to be ready, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get to your TV at 7 or 8 and think, well, where's the game? No, the game's at 9, so mm-hmm. listen here, watch on ABC 13, and you'll be good to go. But what are we looking for in special teams activity? Fairbairn did not make a 59-yarder, but he made another long-range kick, which was nice. Yep. That was one of the things. What else do we want to see special teams-wise on Friday night? I think the biggest thing for me is just clean operation. Continue with clean operation. Weeksy's back. I, I can't remember. I know that uh, Elliot had taken a snap maybe two the other day. He may have taken all of them, but I remember Weeksy being out Punts there. I saw and, so yeah, I just want to see clean punts. operation from snap to communication you know, in a punt situation in training, in a, well, training camp and preseason, you do a lot of different personal protectors, and the personal protector is calling out the actual protection. Are you going to do certain things going one way or the other? And you know, are you gonna are you gonna slide your protection like you do with the pass? Are you gonna do that one way? Or are you gonna double some guys? Like, how are you gonna handle that? So your personal protectors and your snappers are gonna be on this on the same page. All right. Well, guys who play special teams are on tonight. We've got Paul Quesenberry tonight. We've got the Quesenberry brothers, Paul and Scotty, but we don't have David because he plays for another team currently, the Buffalo Bills, and yeah, he used to be here. Uh, Neville Hewitt, he's played some special teams, right? He has done some special teams before, and he's working on year number eight in the league. Man, he's been around. We were actually talking about it off the field. Three years with Miami, three years with the Jets, and now in his second year with the Texans. Derek uh, Rivers? Derek Any Rivers. Special teams? He will. Some. I want Derek Rivers' specialty, though, to be – Remember Craig Hodges? Yeah. I'm dating myself now. Oh, yeah. But Craig Hodges in the 1980s was a three-point shooter. Back in the 80s when the three-point shot was not a big deal, right. he was a three-point specialist. He would come into the game in the 80s and the early 90s with the Bulls, with Michael Jordan's Bulls, and his sole goal was you shoot threes. That's it. That's amazing. And you could do that with a roster spot in the NBA. Now, I don't know how that happens in the NFL, but if anybody is in the if anybody is on the squad – that it's a pass rush situation and you need 95 on the field, like, he's that guy. Pass rush specialist. He just is... Got a knack. He's got a knack for Look getting Look at the there. highlights. They're, um, he, he is quick. He yeah. is wicked inside. Mm-hmm. He is really tough. Yes, he's going to have to participate in special teams because in the NFL, you don't get that opportunity to have Craig Hodges. You don't have a, a yeah. one-trick pony. He does have to contribute on special teams for sure. But that one that... thing he does, my goodness. Yeah, he Ooh. looks good. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah, what about these teams that carry two kickers? That's weird. Anyway, oh, Rivers, God. both Quesenberries that are on the roster, they are on tonight along with Derek Rivers. And also we have Neville Hewitt yep. on, former leading tackler for the New York Jets, and I keep reminding people of that. All right, a little bit on special teams. Enough of the hors d'oeuvre. Okay. To the meat and potatoes we go for dinner. Let's start on defense. What are we looking for here on Friday night? The Rams aren't going to play their starters. This is no secret. But that said you got to make some plays here. We talked about our friend Perkins, the quarterback yeah. for L.A. last night. He's mobile, so that's a good little test here for when you do face a mobile quarterback down the line. Absolutely. Now, you won't see one in Matt Ryan in week one, but you will see one in Russell Wilson in two, week two, and you will see Justin Fields in week three. So you that helps absolutely without question. 
to see a quarterback uh, of that ilk. I think the biggest thing is the stopping the run, in particular, being more gap responsible. They they, they got out of gaps a little bit. There was it was kind of hot and cold with with run stopping the other night. They would stop some runs before those things even got started. Everybody in a gap, everybody where they need to be. And then there'd be one time a guy would slide out of a gap, and boom, that turned into a six, seven-yard gain. They gave up over 130 yards in the run game. And I know that was probably something Lovey talked about his defensive coaches saying, hey, we got to be better. Look, we got five sacks. We can rush the quarterback, no doubt. But we got to hold up against that run. And yeah. that's not something that teams are going to, you know, they, they can't do this to us. So we got to slow the run. And Look, you're not going to see with the Rams, I would imagine, their, their top-line running backs. But we've seen over the years in, in preseason games against the Rams. I remember in 2018, when we went out there, John Kelly killed us. Just just killed us. Um, and it's the same scheme with McVay. You're going to see some wide zone. You're going to see cutback. You're going to see a few other things. But I want to see this defensive line, with all the depth it has, just control the line of scrimmage. Control the line of scrimmage. Be gap sound. And there were a few times where the Saints, and you know, we joked, not joked, I mean, I, I, was, I was being for real about Trevor Penning being the highest-rated first-round rookie the other day. He actually was, was decent in the run game, and he, one of the things that he was able to do from his left tackle position was he was able to scoop the backside of runs where the, the defensive tackle on that side, Penning would literally get on the other side of him to cut him off, which mm. is really impressive, but that can't happen. You, that can't happen uh, against zone runs, which is what the Saints hurt them with a little bit. So they've got to be better, playing stronger at the point of attack, one-on-one uh, up front. Those guys have got to dominate those blocks, get off them, aid in the tackle if they can, but at least let those linebackers continue to run free of the football. Okay, let's go to offense now. Okay. All right, Pep Hamilton met with the media today. Yeah, there were some good things Saturday night against the Saints, but there's plenty to work on. We have a chance to be a tough, tough unit, you know, but we have to be tough smart and disciplined at the same time. You know, there were way too many times where we put ourselves behind the chains. I think we had more than five situations where we had over third and ten, and that's not winning football. So we got to do a better job that way. All right, he wants more discipline. He wants fewer pre-snap penalties, fewer penalties in general. He talked about starting behind the down and distance. That is something that they cannot afford to do. We saw too much of that last year, maybe the year before too. So got to find a way to keep forward progress especially on first down you know it's funny because bill o'brien used to talk about this we need that good first down play it sounds so basic so remedial but it's true i mean you can't go second and 12 all the time especially with a young team young quarterback i I don't want to get in that that mind frame of hey let's get two yards to get to second and eight i don't think this offense has to have that mindset but i can a thousand percent tell you (laughs) what it can't be yeah and that's like you said second and 12 or even worse second and 20 those kind of things can't happen. And we we saw that last year with the offense in 2021. We knew it was going to be challenged at different points. I mean, you were dealing with, you know, at times three and almost th- and sometimes four offense linemen not being in the game. You didn't have quite the running back talent uh, that you have now, and you really didn't go to Rex until later in the year. So there were, there were going to be some challenges. Well, you can't make it worse. This offense should be better. And I remember one of the things about it was – I always caught stealing five yards. But Bill's offense would come out, and the first play out of that drive would just be a speed out, just a little five-yard out, hit Hopkins, throw the ball a yard out of bounds, Hop's the only one to catch it, it's four or five yards, you're second and five. 
I mean, it's stealing yards. Mm. And now you got the DB thinking, well, dang, should I be a little bit closer and then maybe take advantage of it? Maybe you don't, but you get to second and five. And you can, you not only can live second and five, you can excel in second and five I consistently. Like I like that. Throwing the ball short, five yards on first down. Now run it on second down. It. Go ahead, yeah. run it. You know, because so Absolutely. many times, and we always talk about this during the broadcast, so many times in this league, no matter what the team is, if you have a failed play of any kind on first down, especially a failed pass, here comes the run on second down. You see it time and time yep. again. So I'd rather run. Yeah, this just in breaking news. <laughs> rather run on second and yeah. five than second and ten. Okay, right. Johnny. Other things I want to get to about this, how much, and I'm going to ask you this tomorrow night again probably, but how much do we need to see of Mills in that first-team offense? I feel like, look, preseason, it is what it is, but it would be nice to see them get going, get a little rhythm, get a little success against another team because i got to see that prior to the opener at least once in these next couple of games. Here's the thing, and I thought about this the other night, knowing that Davis wasn't going to play a whole heck of a lot. The one thing I would like to see is that if you are going to play Davis, then play Justin, Justin Britt at center. Okay. You've taken the majority, maybe 75% of every snap you've taken this, this training camp. And projecting forward, you would think you're going to be with Justin mm-hmm. as the starting center. And look, there were, you know, Jimmy played four games last year. There were some, you know, Justin didn't play every game, but the majority of the time, Davis was on the field with Justin Britt, and that's the one that I'd, I'd like to see. And, and, and I know you want to keep Justin healthy. I, I understand that completely. But if you're going to play Davis, play Justin, because that communication and, and that center snap even, I think it was the second drive where one snap from Scotty was early, one was late, and it would just everything was off. I don't think you need to play Laramie because Charlie could play over there for a little bit. But if you're going to play Davis, play Justin. I think you're okay with not playing Cooks. If you don't want to play Cooks, I think they've gotten enough reps. I mean, that's fine. But give him as many of his starters, especially in the offensive line, yeah. as possible. You don't have to play him long. But let that that group go out and, and, and play. But if you're not set on doing that, then do what you did the other night. Just get him a few snaps to kind of get him warmed up and then pull him out and keep him safe, keep he's, him healthy. He's still a young quarterback. Yes. Again, breaking news, he's still a young quarterback. He's got to get over that hump, and I don't know if it happens this year, next year, the year after, where you are the veteran leader where people don't want to disappoint you. Sure. Because, I mean, let's go to the other extreme, the really experienced guys, the guys who probably should be retired right now, but they're playing too well to retire, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, right? If you're with them and you commit an offensive pass interference penalty or you don't make a block or whatever the case may be that results in a negative playoff first down, how do you feel going back to the right, huddle? Right. Like, I don't want to see Tom. I don't want to see Aaron. This is right. not good. Even Mahomes, I don't want to see these guys because they are that kind of leader. Yep. You don't want to disappoint them. Now, Davis, not that he doesn't have that capability because all the guys say he's a leader, but they've got to have that. Now, maybe there's more of that that I know about. I'm just saying that it would be extraordinary if it was happening for a guy with only 11 starts in this league. That has to happen at some point with these offensive players as they grow up where you develop this culture of like, hey, let's not disappoint each other or the quarterback or anybody, the coach. Let's do this and not make these errors, and we'll see how it goes. They had so few plays the other night. I don't really give that much of anything. You said on the air or either in queue or on the air, uh, that's an incomplete on the first-team offense the other night because you can't really get going at all. 
here's the other uh, aspect that I would like this offense to get to. And, and I, th- I saw PFF Fantasy Football tweet this, and they tweeted a picture of Davis, Marlon Mack, Damian Pierce, Cooks, Collins, and I think Brevin maybe. And the headline said, sneaky good offense in 2022, question mark. And I want this offense to get to a point where it walks on the field. When Davis Mills walks on the field, it's not just, okay, well, let's let me not play it safe. I don't want to, you know, not get hurt, all that kind of stuff. I want to go attack. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say about how long does Davis play or what I expect from Davis, I think has maybe to do with the Rams too. If the Rams are going to be playing a bunch of go-getting rookies Mm -hmm. that are just going to do anything and everything – they kind of don't understand the preseason process, then I might Davis might get a series and that's it. Just not taking that, not taking that risk that, you know, some rookie from eastern Washington is like, I'm gonna go hit number 10 no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna kind of feel that process out. But if and when Davis and an offense go on the field, the mentality has to be we are going to run right over you guys to the end zone and put in a good series and get out of here. That's the way it has to be. And that's got to be the thought process throughout the regular season too, as opposed to, I don't know, man, Uh, I'm not sure about this. No, it has to go out on the field and say, we're about to ruin you guys. I don't care who's over there. Shaquille Leonard, that's your new name. We're running right over you. We don't care. They have to get that. And I hate the word swagger, but they got to get that attitude when they go on the field, that they are going to rip it up. Yeah, it's confidence. Yep. Okay, enough on the meat and potatoes. You ready for some dessert now? Yes. All right. It's meat and potatoes Tuesday, but now we're going to the dessert. And here it is. We're going to do more likely to happen Ooh. right now. We're right. going to it. Let's go. More likely to happen. Mills, 3,500 yards or Pierce, 1,000 yards. So Mills throws for 3,500 or Pierce runs for 1,000. These are pretty tough right here, I think. Yeah, I, but I think it's Davis for 3,500. Oh, How I many running backs number? last year did you say ran for 1,000? Yeah, seven. Like seven? I mean, yeah. seven in 17 games. Yeah. I and now we're, now we're thinking, oh, wait a second, a rookie will do that. No, I think it's – I still think Damian – he might run for 1,000, but I think it's a better bet that Davis throws for 3,500. You talk about 17 games – 3,500 is 207-something two hundred like that. It's not much. It's not, it, he it's had reachable. four 300-yard games last right. year. He could hit this, right. I don't want to say easily, but he could certainly hit 3,500. I think 4,000 would have been a more challenging one. So if he, if he does that, just say that he has four 300-yard games. Yeah. That's essentially two extra 200-yard games. So he's right. He's not even not only on pace through four, he kind of carries, even if he didn't throw for 200 yards in games you know, five and six, if you averaged it out, he would be at about the 200 mark, which is going to put you at about 300, 3,400 yards. So yeah. I think that's a, a much easier number to get through. I still think this is going to be like a lot of running games in the NFL in that it will be running back by committee, even if there is a back that gets a, a majority of the carries, and somebody will always lead the team in carries, but even if there is one back that leads everybody in carries, I still think it's going to be a Damian Pierce, Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, as mm-hmm. long as everybody's healthy joint. I think it's going to be the three of them contributing to a running game that's going to be much better. We were doing hot takes last night, so this is not a hot take, but okay. I'll give it two and a half sizzle fires anyway. Okay. 
don't be shocked if Mac leads the team in rushing. Absolutely. But Pierce still has a hell of a year. You know, yes. it could be that because Mac could be that good yep. if he's healthy and the line's doing everything you want it to do. Yes. All of a sudden, Marlon Mack, savvy veteran ball carry, looks really good. And Pierce is that one-two punch two guy. Somebody was tweeting out highlights of Arian Foster and Ben Tate the other day. Mm -hmm. And Ben Tate was a good back. Yes. You know, sometimes we forget how good Ben Tate yep. was. Just that you had Arian Foster here in Tate's rookie year. He got hurt, so he never played that yep. season, but eventually got into the flow. And game one of 2011, he was the one who ran the ball well against the Colts when they beat them, and Kerry Collins was the starter that day. As they say, both things can be true. Yeah, I know a lot of times Good. people, no, it's A or B. No, both things can be true. Yeah. You can have Marlon lead the team in rushing and Damian have a really good year too. Okay, more likely to happen, part two. Mm. More likely to happen. Titans miss the playoffs. San Francisco misses the playoffs. Titans more likely. Ooh. Yeah. I'm really? Wait, Trey Lance is going to play for the first time and you have no doubt about it comparatively in this situation. I have already gone. I've already gone on the record. A, I've gone on the record that I think the Titans will take a step back. Mm -hmm. B, I was lauding Trey Lance for a long time. Going yeah. into what was going to be his last year at South Dakota State, or North Dakota State, excuse me, uh, yeah, would have been his redshirt uh, sophomore year. I had written a long article about him, and boy, keep an eye on this guy. This guy's really good. Really good. And then he only played one game, and I think everybody kind of jumped on that, kind of like with Davis. Oh, he's only started 11 times. I mean, Trey Lance started 16 times. But of the first 15, he didn't throw an interception. He was 15-0 and and led his team to the national championship, and you saw every asset you wanted to. So at number three in the draft, and with all this talk about Mac Jones, I'm like, there's no way. Trey Lance has got way more upside. I'm going that way. And I saw and we saw in that second half at San Francisco last year, you could see it starting to evolve. Give that guy the opportunity to grow. And I think the 49ers are going to have something this year. The 49ers are very, very scary. If Trey Lance hits, I'm not saying he's got to hit like Mahomes in 18, but if Trey Lance hits, whoo, 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 whoo. Okay. that is a talented squad. All right, next item on more likely to happen. More likely to happen. Rams repeat, Jags get to seven wins. Oh. More likely to happen. The Rams repeat, which is extremely difficult, as we all know. And the Jags get to seven wins, which for them is extremely difficult, as we all know. This is that, this is the hardest of the three questions. Okay. The first two I was ready to jump on right away. Mm -hmm. I might have to talk myself into the Rams on this. I do think the Jags will be better. I just don't see seven wins for them. But five or six wins, it's going to be a better. It's going to be a, a better lot ball. Better. Yeah, but I don't see him getting to seven. So I guess I have to go Rams repeating. But I'm. We talked about this. I am totally fearful of Matt Stafford's elbow. I mean, you guys, thirty six now, thirty six, thirty seven, maybe, and he's got a bum elbow. I is and that's what he's relied on for so long. Is that what we call it? Bigger know. concern, Stafford elbow or Brady's absence? I just threw this one Stafford's in Stafford's elbow. I really? say Stafford's elbow. Wow. Yeah, because it's a health thing. You just Brady, don't know anything about oh, the Brady thing. We just I mean, know. I have no idea about mm -hmm. the Brady thing, at least with a, you know an elbow. We know it's an elbow. So we don't know whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, but we know it's an elbow problem for a quarterback that has made a living with that right wing. So from that perspective, I would I just know nothing about Brady. So Stafford's I say only Stafford. 34 years old. And I say only because he, yeah, he's been sense. in the league since 2009. He's been in the league forever. It feels like yeah, because he came out of he came out of college in 2008, but he 
was a third. He was a third year, six, seven, eight. Yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah, Detroit adds years to your life. Let's be honest. Okay, more likely to happen. Next one. More likely to happen. Dallas to the NFC Championship game or Denver to the AFC Championship game. More likely to happen. I would. Oh, I think the AFC is just too tough to go through with what with what Denver has. I think the NFC is more manageable and the and the Cowboys have all the talent in the world to do it. They do. Yes. So with they San Francisco, Green Bay, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, the Rams, Dallas. Dallas, well, Dallas is, that mix. Dallas is the one we're talking about here. So And I think win. Philadelphia will be in that mix too. Philadelphia and Dallas are going to play some Good rock games. em, sock em games. Mm. But I think Dallas has got as much talent between Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs and Dak and still Zeke's there. Wow. Offensive line is still good. They drafted Tyler Smith. They're going to put him at guard. He looked good the other night in the preseason game. So I think talent-wise, now we've also seen the Cowboys catch a blade too and down on their backside on the skating rink. So even with all the talent in the world, the best in the world, you know, fall. They they have a they have a pension for doing that. Did I send you that meme the other day? Somebody sent me a meme of a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, uh-huh. and oh, she's yeah. got her arm around two <laughs> elderly women who are obviously right. like in their late seventies yes. to early eighties, and it says a current Cowboy cheerleader posing with cheerleaders from their last Super Bowl team, and it was pretty funny. Actually, it is. But I it's mean, it's been a while. As cra- okay, so put it this way: in nineteen ninety five. When they last won the Super Bowl. If you were a cheerleader, say you were, say you were twenty-five mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. you're fifty-two now. <laughs> no, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being fifty-two. No, no, there's not. There's nothing wrong with it. Of I mean, course I, not. Nothing at all. I hope not. Um, but, but you're fifty-two now, and you haven't seen a championship, and your whole the first yeah. twenty-five years, you were feeling it. You're like, look at my Cowboys. I know. Got and, rings. And the Cowboy fans are gonna be like, well, what are the Texans done? Well, guess what though? But you're the ones always saying how yeah, wonderful you guys are the ones saying got rings. We're the one. We have more playoff wins here in Houston than you have there right. in Dallas since the Texans came into the league. There you go. Not that playoff wins are the ultimate step, but it's just worth noting, yes. if nothing else. I mean, I, I respect the Cowboy franchise. That's a proud franchise. Eight Super Bowl appearances. Five Super Bowl victories, but not so much recently as in the last 27 years. So there's that. All right, Johnny, I got one more for you. Bonus more likely to happen. More likely to happen. Worse for college football. So it's a twist. Worse thing for college football. NIL or conference calamity. SEC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Come on. I What's worse for college football? I don't love UC, USC, UCLA being the Big Ten. I really don't. But I'm not totally sure that they've got their arms wrapped around NIL just yet. Yeah, yeah. and I want to be clear because I think NIL, I think compensating players some way, shape, or form yes. is a good idea. Agreed. I just think it needs some sort of uniformity slash regulation, yes. something. It can't be wide open, wild west. If it is, I don't think it's going to bode well for the future of this game. Absolutely. That's the one that I think is until they get their arms around it. And again, I'm like you compensating the players. Absolutely. Your value being that high, absolutely reap in some of the benefits from that. I conference realignment. Dre brought up a great point too. Is I don't, I don't remember if you brought it up or he brought it up, but the 1099s come in, you know, 
They start taxing that's, these guys. Dre brought that up. That's a that's a big one. That could be a that's real money. You're talking millions yes. here. That could be. I mean, uh, put half away for Uncle Sam because he's coming for it. There are university players that the entire football, basketball, athletic department, whatever, they're on a salary. I want to say it was SMU. But well, then, maybe I'm remembering the 80s. That's the kind know. of regulation we might be looking for, where you're actually compensated. Everything's above board, right? And I believe the athletic program has to sort of break free from the university. They already are in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah but exactly. In many ways, I think you, when you watch the University of Oklahoma, there's the foot, there's the athletic department part, and there's the university part, and the athletic department is its own thing. Mark, it's not going to work. Title nine. Yeah, I know. I don't have all the solutions here. Right. We're not going to solve it on this program. That's just the way I feel about it. I think what you're heading towards is potentially a like super 64 sort of thing. I mean, Greg Sankey, that's where he wants to take the SEC. I mean, Greg Sankey, want, the commissioner of the SEC, is alluding to the fact that he wants to take March Madness and leave out all the mid-majors and, and low-majors. Well, that's what Huggins was talking about. Right. Bob Huggins was talking about that. And, you know, they've been – listen, when I, was, when I was involved with college sports, which was a long time ago. I mean, yep. the Cowboys were still good. It was that long ago. <laughs> so when I was involved in college sports, they were talking about the possibility of, hey, why are we giving all this money right. to these schools – that aren't putting the investment into their product the way we right. are, and they're beating us. But that's what makes it fun, right? March that, Madness. That's a discussion for uh, for another day from that yeah. standpoint of whether March Madness becomes just a bunch of you know Big Ten SEC teams playing each other, and or is March Madness the actual madness of a 14 seed I'm from right. Southland Conference I'm, knocking off the number three seed? Hey, I'm all right with two tournaments. You get the mid-major, whatever. You get the major, whatever. And then you go into another tournament. Ooh, oh, yeah. Ooh, and you call nice. that. That's the basketball tournament. And yeah. you know what? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Let's play it in April. Let's go, baby. Ooh. We just solved everything. You're an idea guy, Mark Vandermeer. How about that? All right, coming up, we've got Derek Rivers, the Quesenberry Brothers. We also have Neville Hewitt. It's all happening here on Texans Radio. Continuing on Texans All Access, great to have you with us tonight in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio here at NRG Stadium, which is quiet this weekend. It'll be loud over at SoFi, where the Texans are taking on the Rams Friday night, 9 o'clock kickoff right here and on ABC 13. And among the players trying to make a name for himself, it's been around the block a little bit. Paul Quesenberry, yes, brother of David and brother of Scott, who we will hear from later. He caught up with Drew Doherty today. Paul's very interesting, went to the Naval Academy, started a bunch of games at defensive end for Navy, and was actually with the Texans in rookie minicamp in 2015, Bill O'Brien's second year, trying to make it as a defensive end. That's the position he played in college. Well, he's been a fullback lately, and he's over a year into this part of his journey. After being a Marine, and once a Marine, always a Marine, and we'll get into that, but after serving our country as a Marine, here he is with the Houston Texans trying to make it as a fullback. We began here because Drew Doherty said he was going to interview Scotty and pretend that he was Paul and Drew was too absent-minded to know the difference. He never did that, by the way. But I did bring that up with Paul before the interview and asked him if he and his brothers kind of razz each other and play jokes on each other. And what's the competitive nature like between the three of them? It was a lot more competitive growing up than it is now. Uh, now it's just kind of more supportive of each other and, and pushing each other to, to be the best that we can. But when we were younger, yeah, we were fighting for fighting for food for sure. <laughs> All right, so you played defensive end in college, right? Uh, 
Obviously, it's very different to be fullback. Can you discuss some of those differences? Did you play some fullback in college as well at Navy? No, I, I played uh, defensive end my whole career at Navy. Um, there's so many differences between, you know, defense and offense. Uh, defense, in my opinion, for for the, per the position I played, was as simple as it gets. You know, you line up correctly, read your keys, and, and you, the ball snapped, and you go play ball. Um, offense is a lot more precision, a lot more, you know, situational awareness, um, and being able to find your way through what's happening in order, you know, to get to your assignment and make the play successful from from your perspective. Um, so it's definitely a lot more mentally uh, demanding uh, and a little bit more complicated than it is on the defensive side of the ball, at least in my experience. Why did you make the decision to switch over to fullback? Um, you know, getting back into the league, I knew that there was going to be like 0% chance anyone giving me an opportunity to play defensive end just because of my size. Uh, linebacker, it was my belief that I wasn't going to learn the position quickly enough to be able to contribute. And fullback, you know, it just seemed like it, that was something that I could go do. Um, you know, it's grunt work, and I could do that. So that's why I chose to pursue the fullback position. Training camp is hard, there's no question. You are a Marine, so when guys talk about how hard it is, how do you react to that? Um, you know, it is hard. There's no, uh, no doubt about it, um, but it's all relative, right? Um, you know, I try to not let the situation get the best of me. Um, you know, think of how fortunate we are to be able to work here, come in, and do what we do every day. Uh, you know, we have the best resources on the planet. Um, we're surrounded by the best of the best in their respective fields as far as coaches, players, medical, uh, nutrition, you name it. Um, and, and we got it, and we got the best in the world. So I think about that every day when I wake up in the morning, how fortunate I am to be a part of this. Um, and you know, when you're a part of something that special, no day can be bad. You have such a tight bond with your brothers, but guys you were with in the Marines, and I hate to talk about a past tense because once a Marine, always a Marine, right? But how are those bonds with you, those friendships, those ties? Do you still keep in contact with a lot of guys? Yeah, you know, my best friends in the world uh, are guys that I served with and guys I played football with and uh, back at the Naval Academy, and I talk with them on a daily, weekly basis, and um, you know, it's hard during training camp to stay in touch because, you know, we wake up early, get home late, and you got to get to sleep and get ready for the next day. But, um, you know, they're, they're a huge part of why I'm, I'm here. Uh, the lessons I learned from time spent with them is what equipped me to find the path to get to the NFL. And then I don't want to say they're like my motivation because I don't really believe in motivation. Um, but I feel fortunate enough, I feel fortunate to be here doing what I'm doing, showing them through my actions that like, you know, there's nothing that you can't achieve. Um, you know, no, how, no, how, no matter how grand the scale, you have the tools uh, and the skills to 
go out and do whatever it is you want to do. And I think, you know, me playing in the NFL is a perfect example of that because it's one of those things that, you know, it's just people will say right off the bat, like, hey, you haven't played football in five years. You're trying to go play in the NFL, play a new position. I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I'm going to do, you know. And a lot of people, you know, kind of laugh at you and say there's no way that's even possible. And then, you know, sure enough, here I am. And to be able to do that and, and show them, it's pretty cool because I know that it fires them up. Paul, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, Mark. Good to see you, man. Paul Quesenberry, that's the kind of guy you root for. You root for a lot of these guys, okay? There's a 90-man roster. Not everybody's going to make it. We're getting close to total cut-down time, and it's going to be tough on a lot of guys. And they're cutting a few players every week. Before they get down to that final 53, Nick Casario always talks about, well, it's more like 70 players because we get that healthy 16-player practice squad. And by the way, we will have Nick on tomorrow night on this show at 6 p.m. Looking forward to that. So we just had Paul Quisenberry on. Let's make it a Quisenberry Brothers segment without David, the former Texan. This is Scott Quisenberry with Drew Doherty, who asks Drew's dozen questions, and you never know where he's going to go with this. What's the deal with Scootsy Q? My nickname when I was playing Pop Warner was Scooter, and then I just kind of rolled with it and last name Q, and then some guys started calling me that, so that was it. Scooter, how'd that come about? Camping, and I scooted out of my sleeping bag. Okay, there, so it's not really even a play on no, Scott. Okay. Not really. Does anybody still call you that? Some Pop Warner coaches and some Pop Warner teammates, but no, really, not really anymore. What are your nicknames? Scotty, that's about it. That's about it? What'd your brothers call you? Scotty. Scotty? Yeah. Or right. Qu- and then the guys call me Quiz, or and then they call Paul PQ, so... Have you ever been in a place where there are, or on a team where there are two others whose last name starts with Q? It's you, your brother, and Quatoriano. I don't think so, no. I'm going to go ahead and say no. When you were growing up, three of you, you're now in the NFL, what food item or drink item did you guys just demolish time and time and time and time again in your household? Milk. How much milk did your mom have to get, your mom and dad? We would go through about four gallons of milk in two days. Yeah. Whole milk? 2%? No, 2%. When did you make that switch from whole to two? Never drank. I don't remember ever drinking whole milk, so unless I was drinking it when I was a baby. Okay. I'm, I'm coming up on that decision now. I've got uh, I've got some kids, so we're trying to figure out, do we need to switch from whole to 2% to, you know, be a little healthier? Okay. What's your mom's signature go-to dish that you love the most? Her tacos. No doubt. What's in them? Just ground beef, and she makes these, she like puts the oil in the pan and kind of like fries the tortillas up and their flour big flour tortillas and they're just awesome four or five of them oh man they're really big so three is an accomplishment four is spectacular five is out of this world for sure okay you're walking into a room for the rest of your life what song do you want them playing as your entrance song thunderstruck by acdc what's the last thing that you sang in your car what song south side of heaven by ryan bingham who are some of your like three or four favorite artists right now i really like him i like tyler childress luke combs is always good eric church is probably my favorite though that's a good one yeah you haven't had a chance i don't think to go to the houston livestock show and rodeo have you i have not are you looking forward to that i am what have you heard nothing but spectacular things what's the best part of going back to California to play football. Getting out of humidity. I'm sure you were told about it, but it doesn't... Yeah, you can't really prepare. I try to mentally condition myself every day that we were out here in the spring, just telling myself, oh, you know, when it was like 90 and we were out here at 1, I was like, this isn't that bad. Just not that bad, not that bad, not that bad. For when the days that it was actually bad, you know, like, eh, it's, it's, you know, it's okay. And then it kind of helped me out a little bit. Final thing, why should you be the favorite of all the Questenberries for fans? Youngest is always the best. Scott Questenberry, thank you so much. This has been a Drew's Dozen. Yeah, thanks, guys. 
There's Drew Doherty with Scott Quisenberry. All right, coming up on the program, time permitting, Neville Hewitt, once upon a time, led the Jets in tackles. I say that every time I mention his name. And also, we'll have Derek Rivers. Two sacks on Saturday night. He catches up with D.P. Sidhu. It's all coming up on Texans All Access. Great to have you spending some time with us here on Texans All Access in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Okay, Derek Rivers, we're going to have him on here with D.P. Sidhu. Now, in 2017, the Texans were at the Greenbrier, and Derek Rivers was there too, but as a New England Patriot because they had a joint practice session with the Houston Texans, and Rivers got hurt, tore an ACL, and years later he's here with the Houston Texans. A lot of stuff happened in between, including last Saturday against the Saints, Rivers had two sacks. D.P. Sidhu catches up with defensive end Derek Rivers. Derek, how did it feel to sort of get the preseason underway, get some snaps out there, get some reps, and not go against your own teammates? <laughs> to God be the glory, I saw a cheese rush, and it was, it was, it was fun, man. It was fun. It's all you always look forward to going to play somebody else. <laughs> Same in like joint practices too. It's like, all right, bet we get to play somebody else, but this is just one day, and it was cool to get out there. And a lot of the rookies had their first, their first game. A lot of excitement, a lot of fun. We had fun, so it was it was good. It was good. You look like you're having fun. You had two sacks out there. It looked like almost a safety on that first one, but Levy said that you came out there. You really made the most of your reps, so what was it that you wanted to go out there and showcase? You've been with this coaching staff before, but what did you want to go out there and show on film? Uh, just play ball. That's it. Play for the glory of God, and that's it. Honestly, last, obviously, as you get older, you just try to enjoy every single, every single time that you get, and so we get to do this, and I have to do this, and so... Uh, just going out there and playing, and then when you got a good group like we got, it's, it's all, it makes it even better. So, yeah, just go out there and have fun. That's it. Lovey says you can never have too many pass rushers. He says that you fit the profile of the pass rusher he's looking for. You're heading into year six. What what do you do differently in the offseason to sort of get yourself geared up every single year? More family time. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, no, no. More, more family time. I got I got two boys and my wife at home, and we always we enjoy it. But uh, we got a good string program here. And uh, Mike Eubanks does a great job. His staff does a great job. And so we were here in Houston just, just gone. Yeah. All right. How old are the boys? Three and one. Do they know that their dad plays football and that he got sacks? I don't know if they know the sacks, but they know <laughs> we play football. He was excited to go to the stadium and practices and all type of stuff. This is They, they, they think this is their uh, field. So <laughs> that's I mean, it kind of is. They kind of will let them have it. Yeah. Absolutely. So they come here, they run on the field, and they go right to the Gatorade cooler every single time, give them a juice. <laughs> All right, so how is it different just being a dad? And you've been, it's year six for you. So just being a dad and being in this league, does it sort of change how you play the game or how you approach the game? A little bit, a little bit, but honestly, it's just more or less uh, priorities. You know what I'm saying? So there's, you get it all, it, it kind of gets you to uh, move things a little bit faster, but then we go home, you go home. You know what I'm saying? But it, um, it definitely is uh, it's fun. It gives you a little extra motivation to go out there and enjoy what you do. What does it mean to you to be here with the Texans, being with Lovey for a second straight year? You obviously had him as a D coordinator last year. Now he's the head coach. You're getting all these opportunities, and they really like what they see out of you. He mentioned you by name the other day in his press conference. Uh, that's got to feel good for a guy like you that is in year six and, and is really working hard here for the squad. Um, like I said, to God be the glory, um, Lovey's amazing, and what he's done for like the culture around here, um, the community and what he like stands for is, is, is awesome and it makes you wanna, you know what I'm saying, go out there and play for somebody like like him. He's doing an amazing job. And so it does make it um we love Houston. Like I said, the city, the team, it's a special place for my my wife, my kids. We love it. So it's, it makes it easy to come to work, especially the team we got. We got such a close close group of guys. It just it makes everything a little bit easier and then when things get hard it makes it 
you got you got brothers to lean on. So it, that definitely is uh, it's good. It's good. It's a fun group, that D-line group. I was talking to Jacques Cesaire. He said that you guys kind of have your own little attitude, but you got a lot of different ranges of experience. You've got guys that have played more than you, less than you. What have you thought about sort of the group in general? Because there, it's going to be a pretty big group once it's all said and done. We got a goofy group, man. <laughs> no, nah, we love it. You need that, though. Uh, everybody, like I said, it's been crazy. So, like, I've learned, I've learned more from – Rio, BZ, and and I've learned more this year about like rushing than I have, honestly, my whole career from Jock, Malik, and just just the group we got, the group of guys we have has been awesome because everybody just learns from one another, and so we get to take little things from somebody else's game that we never taught and try to add it to our own, and it's just been a it's been a huge help and a blessing and makes our team better. All right, Derek, it's been a pleasure to watching the preseason and and best of luck. Thank you, DP. Hoping for another great game from Derek Rivers on Friday night at L.A. 9 o'clock kickoff for that. Now, well, let's wrap it up with Neville Hewitt. Johnny Harris talked to the linebacker, and Hewitt, did I tell you he led the Jets in tackles in 2020? At this point, that's as common as everyone reminding you that Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college or that Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Anyway, Johnny and Neville Hewitt. Neville, first of all, one preseason game in, about three weeks of training camp. How's the body feel on a scale of 1 to 10 right now? Definitely feel like we in camp. <laughs> yeah, the recovery is a, is a must right now. And today, about as hot as it's been. How tough was it to get through today, the first day back in pads after the game? Uh, it was a grind. You know, this is the, the first time after a game. So, you know, our bodies are still getting used to it. So I think uh, as we continue to go, we'll continue to get in better and better shape uh, throughout the year. How long does it take to kind of get your body sort of callous to the hits and the physicality, especially at your position? Uh, shoot, just, you just got to keep going. You just yeah. grind through it, and slowly, if you keep on grinding, you'll get there. All right, you guys are wearing these Guardian caps on your, on your head, the, the padded caps. First of all, how do you like those things? Is, is it frustrating? You never had to wear those before. How does it feel to wear those during practice? Uh, I mean, if we don't wear them in the game, I mean, it's, for, it's all for protection, you know what I'm saying? So it's all for preventative uh, measures. So, I mean, if we, if we have to have them on, we're going to keep them on. It is what it is. It's not going to change change anything. Well, during the game, do you feel it? Do you feel a difference? Not, not much. I mean, I don't really. I can't really compare the impact because you know in practice we're not going live like we are in the game. How different is this defense from other defenses you've been on? Um, you know, we focus on getting the ball. You know, a lot of defenses, you know, you, you fit the you fit the run and stuff. But here, we put an emphasis on um, taking the ball away, giving the offense as many chances as possible. And that's like the biggest difference compared to the other defenses I've been on. That the emphasis is just is very high here on getting the ball. How do you feel this defense this year versus last year? Last year was your first year in it. Now you're in it for a second year. How much more comfortable do you feel in it? Uh, way more comfortable. We, you know, you got a better understanding of where you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to fit things and, and uh, just learning the whole defense as a whole helps helps you play faster. Neville going out to LA for a Friday night game. I mean LA is LA but going out and seeing the Rams world champs get excited for that or do you know care or just one play after the next? Yeah, it's one play at a time you know, you know they, they defend the champs but uh, it's the preseason so everybody's trying to get better and uh, take, take it one day at a time so just go out there read our keys and just play ball. Neville I appreciate it man thank you very much. Right, thank you. John Harris and Neville Hewitt following practice today. All right, that's going to do it for the show. 9 o'clock kickoff Friday. Write it down. Put it on your calendar. 
Get a notification. Get an alarm. It's on ABC 13. It's live right here. It's the Texans at the Rams. We're looking forward to it tomorrow. Nick Casario at 6 right here. Have a great night. Go Texans.